It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. And just hold that there for a little bit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your word. Thank you for revelation that you give to us uh, concerning your word and how to apply it in our lives. Father, I ask that you would just give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding today as we preach, that uh, we would understand the concept, the revelation behind this message. Father, just anoint me to bring this word today in a fashion that uh, is understandable. And Lord, that we can uh, appropriate your word to our life and that we, our life is changed. It will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You've heard me say many times that life has lived on levels and arrived at in stages. Yeah, every stage of our life is, um, is preparing us for the next level. Listen to that again. Every stage of our life is preparing us for the next level. Every one of us, we're in a stage of life right now, amen? But we come to some things that sometimes are more major, and um, each stage takes us to a new level of relationships, knowledge, understanding, uh, uh, authority, new level of responsibility. So each stage takes us to that new level in those areas of our life, relationships, knowledge, uh, understanding, authority, and uh, relationships. And so I believe today that the Lord wants to speak to us and, and, and try to help us to get a little visual picture of how this takes place in our life and then prepare us to have the boldness and the confidence to take that next step uh, to the next level. Amen? One of the things I'd like to illustrate through this message, I believe, is, uh, is a butterfly. The Lord was, as I was praying about this, I began to see or think about the Cecropia moth and how it changes, and same thing with a butterfly. It starts out as an egg, breaks into a little, a little worm, a little caterpillar. There's four stages in that caterpillar's life. It, it actually puts off that skin as it begins to grow. It just, all it wants to do is eat and grow and get bigger, and uh, so it does that four or five times. It'll put off that skin, and, and there's another skin. It changes colors until it has, goes to the stage of where it makes this cocoon, and, and it goes inside that cocoon, and it's being changed and after that, it, it comes forth, it breaks forth as a butterfly, and there's, it's what we call metamorphosis, and I believe in a Christian life that that's, that's the case as well. We know it applies to salvation because we are dead in our trespasses and sin, uh, but when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we are born again, we're changed, we're completely changed into the uh, incorruptible. Paul says in Corinthians, let uh, the corruptible must put on the incorruptible. And so those things take place. But throughout our life, I believe that there are these different stages of, as well that, that we, can, uh, we come into uh, this, really this metamorphosis, this change of becoming who we're really designed to be. The caterpillar was there, but w when the caterpillar starts out, the butterfly is really inside that. It's, its destiny, its purpose is to be a butterfly. You know what I'm talking about? It might look like a caterpillar, but its destiny is to become a a butterfly. You, you know, I might look at you and I'm seeing something right now in this stage of your life, but what you're destined to, that's what you're going to be, amen? And sometimes we don't always see that. Um, so that's what we want to talk about. We need this metamorphosis in our life as well. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, 
which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's read that again. I want you to think about it. Make some marks. Uh, underline something. Highlight it if it's a, electronic. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Our life as a believer is it's a put on. We've got to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to put off our old self. So that's a process. It's called sanctification. It's a process whereby we become more and more like Christ. John said, Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. So we have a, a journey, we have a purpose, we have a destiny, and it's to become like Christ. Uh, ultimately, that will happen when we are changed through resurrection, but we need to be changed here, amen? People need to see a difference. When they, maybe if they haven't seen you for a while, they ought to, something different about you. You, there ought to be something different, a change in you. So it's, he says, in regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. You know, if we, if we walk in the flesh or that old nature, that old self, there's still those deceitful desires are still there. You better be careful because you think, well, you're all that and you did this and you had a great camp or you had a great retreat and so you had victory there. Well, you better watch out. You better keep on putting off the old self because in the old self is where we fall into iniquity, doing our thing rather than God's things because there's those deceitful desires reside in that old nature. Verse 23 says, well, back to the last part of 22, it says, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Were we to be made new? In the attitude of our minds. Where's that? It's when our soul, isn't it? Now, our spirit man is already, that's who we're supposed to be. That's, God, that's how God sees us. He sees us in Christ. He sees us as full mature. He sees us in that, he sees us as the butterfly, amen? All right, he sees that, that full part of us. Um, so our change is to be made new in the attitudes of your mind. You gotta get a new attitude. <laughs> you gotta change. That's, our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So within our soul, something has to take place. And so that's why there's a battle there. It's a conscious battle. You know, you, and you have to choose by, through your will. You have to decide and choose with your will to make a change in your attitude, in your mind. And that you've, you willfully, like a while ago when we were praying, you willfully have to step into that newness by faith even though you can't see it in the natural realm, it hasn't happened yet, but yet you got to go ahead and make that cocoon. I'm going to be a what? A butterfly? What's that? I ain't never seen no butterfly. <laughs> you know, you crawling on the ground, you know. Caterpillar's all you known, right? Just a caterpillar? That's all you've ever been? That's all you're ever going to be? Is that right? No. Wait a minute, something's down inside there. You might not have ever seen it. You might not think, oh, that could never happen to me. You might have seen other butterflies, and you think, wow, that's awesome. Look what they do. Look at this. And, look at and you're standing in awe of them, but you say, but hmm, I guess that wouldn't be me. Wait a minute. You know, follow those instincts and the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit to why does that caterpillar go in and make a, a cocoon? You think it's that intelligent that it really just says, see, what am I going to do today? Let me check my, my calendar here. Let's see. Yeah, this is the day I'm supposed to start the cocoon. Now, there's an inborn instinct within that worm, <laughs> and if a worm can do it, hello, if a worm, if the, if the middle capacity <laughs> of a worm 
Are you getting it? Can do this. <laughs> we need to do it. Why do we not do it? We probably overthink it. But there's an instinct, and there is instinct in you. My instinct tells me. I, my mom used to say that one lady told her, so, so how did you know to do that? And she said, well, instinct. She said, well, my instinct, but it don't tell me nothing. <laughs> no. There's something down in there that will kind of dri- draw you. And so, but if we overthink it, we'll think wrong. You know, they say, if you think long, you think wrong. And so we, most of the time, we think we can't. We put self-imposed limitations there. Because of what we, our experience in the past or what somebody has told us or what somebody says we should be or, or we can be or what we can't be, we begin to, to uh, just form, try to form ourselves from what has been told to us rather than what is God directing and pulling out of us. Are you, y'all getting this today? So uh, we've got to, you know, just like the caterpillar, we, we have to begin life uh, and, you know, and, and start to change. We start out just like, you know, undesirable, a little worm, uh, not good for anything really. Just eat, you know, just starts eating the leaves. It just starts, but it has this drive to eat and grow. Well, that ought to be our desire as believers is to, to grow, feed upon the Word. First thing we've got to do, uh, <clears throat> when you become a Christian, there's a certain desire down in you that you want to, you want to know more. What, what's this all about? Because you want to change. You want more of God, right? So there's a natural desire there, just like that caterpillar. Well, it, there's some natural desire to grow, and so it just eats, and it just eats everything. It just eats, 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 and it grows, and it has to put off that old, it's, it's outgrown that, that flesh that it has, that body. It puts that off, and it goes into a new one. That's those, hey, we do the same thing, right? So, uh, we, we start out like that, we're changing, but then there comes these times of this big change, a metamorphosis. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. While you're turning there, just know that we were, God de- designed us. Uh, we were born with greatness and engineered for success. There you go. We were born with greatness and engineered, so to speak, for success. That's how God built us. Jeremiah says in, in 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God says, I know what I planned for you. You might not, but I know what I planned for you. You know, I've, I've planned uh, something that's good to prosper you and not harm you. I'm not trying to kill you. I'm trying to get you to change, you know, I'm not trying to kill you. I'm trying to help you, okay? It says not to harm you. I'm, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and, and a future. Listen to this just a second. Let me see if I can find this on, on here. If I known I was going to read this, I would have put it somewhere where it's easier to get to. Listen to this. Um, I ask for strength. God gave me difficulties to make me strong. I ask for wisdom. God gave me problems to solve. I asked for prosperity. God gave me brains and brawn to work. I asked for courage. God gave me danger to overcome. I asked for love. There you go. Oh, I'm not going to ask for all I'll just ask for love. God gave me troubled people to help. <laughs> You've been praying, Lord, just, I just want love, Lord. I, I don't care about I just want love. And you put all those people around you to see, okay, then love them. 
Here, I'm going to send you some unlovables. You want some love? <laughs> I asked for favors, and God gave me opportunities. And then he says, I received nothing I wanted, but God gave me everything I needed. Isn't that right? Isn't that so true? That's amazing. Yeah, praise God for that. Amen. You know, I, I, okay, Lord, just strengthen me. Lord, just strengthen me. Okay. Here, here's a, a difficult way of life. This will strengthen you. This will bring some strength to you, right? If you're going to, you decide you want to get, you know, you want some more strength. You want to work out, right, Tyrell? What do you do? You don't just sit on the couch, you know, eating Doritos and watching. The, you got to go to the gym. Right? You got to pump some iron, right? So if you want some strength, you got some, have, overcome some difficulties. Hello. Now you say, man, I ain't asking for nothing. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so we've got to be, you know, we think that we know what we want, but God's really, he's not trying to kill you. He's trying to help us. Amen. Let me get back up here where, where, where I was. Okay. Um, anyway, so uh, every, you know, in our life, we come to these different stages. And those stages, we put off the old, we put on a new, and we get ready because he's preparing us for the next stage, right? Um, the difference in the caterpillar and us is, is we have the option to change. The caterpillar just, it does it by nature, by instinct, you know, and it doesn't really feel like there's any other options, but we actually have a choice, and that's, that's so that we'll be held accountable. We have a free will. You can stay just like you are, a worm. <laughs> you know, and that's in the Bible, you know. In fact, you know, God spoke through, in Isaiah, a couple of places, it says, you, O worm, Israel, you know, he refers to, O worm, Jacob, you know, speaking to the people of, of the children of Israel, and he calls them a worm because they're still there. They're in that caterpillar stage, you know. They haven't, they haven't come out. They haven't changed anything, uh, but they need to. And so uh, we can move. We need to move forward, but it's up to us. We need to decide whether or not we're going to, to move or not. Uh, we start out undesirable. That's why God can't look at us. He has to look at us through in Christ. He sees us in Christ that we're a new creation. So God says there in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So just like the guy said, you know, I asked for strength. He gave me difficulties to overcome. So God knows the plan he has, and he knows what it's going to take to develop us. We need to trust him. He's not trying to kill you. So here's the thing. The title of this message today is, The Best is Yet to Come. Look at somebody tell them, The Best is Yet to Come. Tell three people. Boy, I'm just, y'all just, now, don't get too excited. <laughs> don't get too excited now. <laughs> the, God, or the Lord has, has reserved for us the beauty of transformation. Hopefully, you'll understand that a little bit more as we go on, but he's got a point of where he's, to, he's transforming us. If we will submit ourselves to him and to his plan and his purpose, there's transformation for us. The good is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Okay, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be transformed. Well, I can't because of such and such. Put that off. Right? We're, we're being led. We're being directed. I ain't never built a cocoon before. I don't even know what a cocoon is, <laughs> you know? Um, so we, we got to, uh, the, the, the caterpillar's born to change. Well, we're born to change. 
We're born to, to become something different. Uh, we're born to change, and the old is gone, the new has come, amen? And it, it takes this internal instinct or this desire within us to, for something different. Now, if you've heard us teach on the motivational gifts, that how in Romans chapter 12, he talks about that, uh, you know, there's some that are givers and some are mercy, and there's the teacher motivation gift, there's a prophetic motivation gift, and um, the organizer, and I don't know who I left out, the mercy and the encourager. Um, what happens is when God creates us and he designs us and he stirs us up and makes us specifically before the foundation of the world, and he, he gives us an assignment, he puts a certain uh, swirl to us, which is our, it, it comes out in our personality. It comes out in, in how we, in our paradigms that we, that we attach and, and that we look through. We see things differently. You know, you can approach something and uh, you see it differently. Um, let's say a, a hairdresser, you know, if they come and talk to you, they're going to be noticing how your hair's cut and all those different things. You know, somebody else, you know, um, will be, they might be caring about that. Then that's not their, that's not their thing. That's not their drive. They're looking at something different. Carpenter comes into this room. They're noticing, well, what? you know what? Those joints look, those 45 miter joints look pretty good on that crown molding up there. Did a pretty good job on that sheetrock. You know, I don't see too many waves in it and stuff. They're noticing different things, right? Somebody else comes in, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it looked good. I don't know. What, what difference does it make? You see things differently. How do you mean you know what I'm talking about? If you're one of those um, type people, the, like an organizer, you walk in and somebody's picture is, is kind of like just, just a little bit. I mean, just a little bit. Is it, raise your hand. Does that bother you? Who's that bother? All right, there we go. Okay. See? So, you know, if they're not looking, you're going to go <laughs> straight up. Why? Somebody else, you say, Did, oh, man, that was driving me nuts. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Or, for instance, you know, like a server, they see a piece of trash, they'll get down and pick it up, ten other people will walk right past it, not even see it. Well, I didn't see that. Well, yeah, I would have if I would have seen it. It wasn't that they're not, that they're too good to, they just didn't see it. How many you know what I'm talking about? So there's a certain drive and desire down in us to do certain things differently. I'm an exhorter, uh, and with a little bit of teacher motivation, exhorter is how I've been swirled up. And so my desire is to see you grow and become who God has wants you to be. That's my desire. That's where I really get excited when I see somebody changing and the, and the word working in them and them growing. And I want to, I'll exhort them along the way. You know, I'll say, yeah, you can do that. Y'all probably knows that in some of my messages, maybe like this one today. You know, <laughs> changing, okay? So, uh, you know, that's what, how I see certain things, and that's my desire. So I'm, I'm turned to that. I'm kind of bent in that direction. Well, so we have to listen to those things, and if we will listen to those instincts or that desire within us, then what happens is we begin to gravitate in a particular way that God wants us to get into, a certain flow that God wants us to get into of how then it becomes natural to us. We really shouldn't, it shouldn't have to be hard work, it just becomes natural. The caterpillar doesn't think about what it's going to do, you know, eating those leaves and just changing them, it just comes natural to him, Right? Um, doesn't think about the difficulty of building the cocoon. It just comes natural. And so when you really start to get into your, let's say, groove, how God's designed you, sometimes we feel guilty because we think, well, that can't be God because, I mean, that's me. You know, I mean, I'm doing that. I mean, uh, it's got to be way out there someplace, you know, something not necessarily. <laughs> it should start to become a little bit familiar, although you're never, you never feel like 
you can do it because you don't feel like you have enough maybe ability or whatever it is to get to that next stage there because that, that always takes the faith that we need to, to do it. But as we begin to do it, we, we begin to adapt to it and it just seems like it becomes natural. Is that making sense? It starts to become natural. And people look and say, man, how do you do that? Do what? You know, maybe you're gifted along the line of, um, you know, on your job, you know, just seeing, the, again, maybe an organizer, the way you set things out and you get it all and you get all these things accomplished and get it done on time, like, how in the world do you do that? And, uh, you know, the other person that's asking is a mercy. And the organizer wants to say, well, if you'd stop spending all that time talking to everybody and just, you know, and listening to all their problems... <laughs> You know, sitting there just listening to all they got to say, you might get something done. <laughs> you see, that's it when you get in the flesh of that gift, you know, of that motivation. See, because there's the, the natural fleshly part of those gifts that that's the bad part of them, you know, because then we can see things, we get mad at somebody else that they don't see it the, the way we see it. The mercy could turn around and say, well, if you'd stop, you know, just doing your own little thing, Martha, and be like Mary, just sit at the feet of Jesus, maybe you'd get a little closer to him. You see, we can start judging because that person's not like us. But yet, God's designed us all in a particular way, the way he wants us, so that we can work in the body and that the body doesn't represent any one person other than the one person of Jesus Christ. And so that's how we all function together, as we were talking about there in Ephesians chapter 4, that every part supplies, you know, and, he, and builds the church up. And God will lead us then to others. He'll connect us to other people that have gifts that we don't have. A mercy needs to have somebody with a prophetic motivation, a person with prophetic motivation. They see black and white. They see, oh, man, they got the wrong, they got the wrong motive. That's sin in their life. I mean, they're able to kind of discern that in a natural way. I'm not talking about the office of a prophet or something like that. So sometimes a mercy can get taken advantage of. So maybe they need somebody to come along to say, better be careful. Something doesn't seem right there. So God helps us in all those particular areas. So we were, but we were born to change in the sense of changing from the natural state into the more spiritual state and becoming mature in him, okay? Um, and it's this... We have to listen then to this inward uh, instinct and desire and what really catches our attention. What makes us, what, what, what makes us cry? I mean, what, what really captures us and says, you know, I want that to change. You know, and that's where we, we start to say, that's how we begin to impact that particular situation. If you see uh, maybe battered women, and everybody ought to feel bad about that, but I mean, you know, there's just something different that there's more of an attraction and a drive and like to, to help change that and to make some changes there. See, then, then that's something that God's helping to pull you over to. Are you following that? So we have these changes that, that's working, and we have a, a, you know, a certain direction that God wants us to get into, and we have to be sensitive to that. But so we're born to change. We're born to become who God's designed us to become, and to the fullness of that. And it talks about the fullness of Christ. Again, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Righteousness is right relationships. When, I be, when God declares me to be righteous, now I'm in a right relationship with God the Father. Uh, I need to be in a right relationship with myself, you know, and accepting, 
how God's designed me and, and what he's doing in me. I need to accept me because how can I love my neighbor if I don't love myself? And so I, I can't be in a right relationship with my brothers and sisters if I'm not in a right relationship with God or a right relationship with myself. Being in a right relationship with myself also is making sure that I'm staying before the Lord and I'm confessing my sin. I'm getting things right so that I'm in a right relationship with God and myself and then with other people around me. So it changes. So he says here that, um, that put on the, the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now again, each stage of our life is preparing us for that next level of, of righteousness or relationships for the next level of authority, next level of under, our understanding, the next level uh, that he's taking us into there. So those, it's preparing us for that. Um, just a couple of thoughts here. We, you know, we start out on like a, an equal basis. You know, everybody's been given a measure of faith, and, and uh, uh, there's a degree of reward that's here on earth and eternity for as we change, as we become more and more like him, then, you know, he says he rewards us. You've been faithful in a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. But that's not just for when we get to heaven. There's certain rewards that we walk in while we're here and as we change and we yield to him because I believe that we'll start to walk in favor and blessings that will come into our life. You know, even the difficult the trials that we go through that are helping to form us, we're still going to walk in his favor. Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, thou art uh, our father, we are the clay, and thou art uh, our potter, or thou art our potter, and we are uh, the work of thy hands. I hadn't read the King James for a while, and I'm having the stuttering over the thus and the thous and the... And the this, this, this and, the, and that stuff. So let me read it again. Try, but, but now, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou our potter. And we all are the work of thy hands. In other words, you're, we're the clay, you're the potter, you're going to form us and make us into who we need to be. So we need to yield ourselves. Every day, we need to get up and yield ourselves to the Lord. Die to ourselves, put off our old self. Put on the new self, which is Christ in us, and, and say and be ready for change. Be ready for the, the potter to form us a little bit more, right? And as we start to move on through our life, we're going to come to certain major stages. Again, the caterpillar, it puts off four different uh, shells of skin because it outgrows them. That's a natural process. That ought to be the way we are. As we're going through, we're putting off the old, putting on the new, putting off the old, putting on the new. But then we come to it, and that's on this level. As, and then we come to this stage that's a major stage. That we're getting, it's preparing us for a next level, and it's like that cocoon stage where the, that caterpillar forms that cocoon, and then it hangs out in there for all winter long, and something's happening in there. Now, if I'm watching that cocoon, I can't tell anything's going on, but inside, he's growing inwardly more and more like Christ. Inside, inside that cocoon, things are happening. Things are changing, and, uh, but we can't see it on the natural realm. Maybe I can't see it in your life. Maybe somebody else can't see it in your life, but something's changing in that cocoon stage if we will allow it to work. A lot of times we get to that point when God's brought us in there and we need to be in that kind of that waiting, that holding pattern as that fullness is, is developing and we're getting ready to come forth for the next level. We, we jump out too soon. We, we stop, we shut it down. Well, nothing's happening here. So I just need to, I need to get a plan. And your motivational gift can affect that as well. Um, but we're, what's happening is, is we're redefining ourselves. 
Now, this is not just in our spiritual life, but this can be in your work situation. It might be for a certain career. Charlie, do you mind me sharing that um, about when you were in construction and you, you built houses? Charlie was a, a builder. I get a letter from him. He's a jeweler. What? Where did that come from? I'm like, what? And it's like what Charlie didn't know was that building industry was getting ready to collapse. God saw that, so he started preparing Charlie over here. He said, come on, I got a cocoon for you. <laughs> Jump in here. And he began to just develop that. I don't know, you, it kind of as a hobby right at first or something. There was a little, well, what, what triggered that, Charlie? What was just a, he saw something and like, oh, that's cool. Think I'd like to do that? Is that what it was kind of at first as a hobby? And it just kind of triggered something. It was like a little a spark. Okay. A little spark there. I thought, well, I'll, I'll try that out. Have you ever noticed that sometimes hobbies can come in to become major parts of your life? Have you ever noticed any type of business that started out as a hobby? In fact, you started out in your garage, didn't you? And, and so those things, that's, that's how those things begin to happen. It might be a little spark. Well, hey, wait a minute. You know, oh, well, that, would, that just happened. I mean, wait a minute. No, that was God-ordained because you can look back now. When you say, Charlie, if you look back, what happened? If you hadn't changed and got a new skill set into that particular area, it had been, been hurting, huh? And then it kind of happened again. Uh, was it 2004 when the Lord began to speak to you and, and shut that shop down? And, oh, he had something else prepared. And so all of a sudden, some other things begin to take place. You have to get some more, add to the skill set. And uh, I'm just using Charlie because you, we can look back, you know, when you get to be 50 and up, you can look back and see some of those things of where you come from, right? To, to share with all you that are, you know, not, not, not close there yet. So what's happening is, is we're redefining ourselves. I believe that, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but God's redefining you for something over here that you might not see coming, might something, just a little spark, but don't despise the small things. Hear that? So what's happening is we're redefining ourselves um, and discovering who we are at our core, who we really are, you know, in our core, who God's designed us to be. One person said that by the time you figure out uh, what, you, what to do in life, you're almost too old to do it, you know, it's about right. Um, but you've got to look for these little clues of, of who we are at our core, uh, not what somebody else wants us to be. You know, somebody else might want you to do such and such because they like that and they'd sure like to have you as a friend to, to be able to do that or whatever. Or, you know, they, they might mean well, but sometimes, how many of you know that other people can define us? There's a lot of people sitting in this room right now that somebody else defined you, and so you're trying to be who they defined you to be. I've heard a lot of different, uh, especially through the, um, the, 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 let's say, the, the race of people, the Indians and the Pakistanis and stuff like that, that, that I've heard them say, well, my parents wanted me to be a doctor, you know, but I really, I, you know, I wanted to sing. I think I heard that on The Voice or something, one girl. I just wanted to sing. And so I'm really a big disappointment to them because they wanted me to be a doctor, you know. Well, hey, if you ain't a doctor, you know, don't do it. And so, but what she did begin to discover was there was something else in her. There, her core was to be in that particular realm, but yet her parents were trying to define her in this. Are you getting this? 
and I'm not talking just about parents, but, um, but other people, friends or whatever, they can define you. And so we have to be real careful that as we're listening to these clues, that it's what God's done in us. It's us that we're listening to, those little triggers, those clues in us, not what somebody else has said that we need to be. So, you know, some of you need to stop being manipulated by other people uh, and, and what, what they're doing and, and stop being a cheerleader for them and, and get in the game. <laughs> get in the game, amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, don't let guilt trips direct your life. Um, don't, you know, spend 20 years of your life doing something and turn around in the next 40 years, you know, regret it. Now, when we were deciding to go into ministry, <laughs> in fact, I had one of the elders of our church, he was a CPA, he said, man, if I didn't know you, you better, and he was talking to uh, Doug and Mike at the same time, he said, if I didn't know you guys better, I, I'd tell you that you're crazy. I mean, this is just crazy. You know, why would you want to do this? This is crazy. Well, you know, I, I got to think, well, hey, we're going to do it. That's what seems like something is there that God's pulling a little tiny something. I'm going to follow that. I'm going to follow that. It didn't make sense in the natural realm. You know, we left money to go into ministry. I was working for the railroad and making awesome money, and today's wages would be over $150,000 is what I would be, was making in my salary. But Sandy was working for engineering de, uh, department for Southwestern Bell. We were making money. We didn't have time to have kids. We were, it was three years before we had kids. We were making so much money. Built new houses, had car, had them paid. You know, we didn't, that's what, man, here we go. And that could have been a, a real temptation to, hey, you're going to leave all this? But, you know, for some reason, something just triggered in me that, okay, fine, you know. If that's what God's calling, I felt that little trigger. Not, but don't let my situation mean that that's what you're talking, that you have to do. It might not be ministry. It might be a new career, career field, like Charlie, a whole new skill set. I mean, how do you go from building houses to jewelry, you know, I mean, I just, to me, that's just like, it's the total opposite. It's the caterpillar and the butterfly, if, if you will, you know, but I, I hear God saying, get a new dream, get a new life, <laughs> get a new life, <laughs> get new strength to build again. Maybe you've tried and, and it has collapsed, but God's saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, you can do it again. You can do it again. Some people say, well, you know, I just, I lost my house and this and that. They're building new houses. <laughs> Buy another one, you know? I mean, I don't know, but don't let certain things, don't let your past define you. Don't let certain things, those failures pull you back. It's a new day, and even though you might feel like a worm, caterpillar, wait a minute, God's got something ahead of you. Somebody ought to say amen on that. Mm. The best is yet to come. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody in here. Maybe it's on the podcast, well, some of those 2,700 people that are listening out there. But I, I just feel like that God's, that he's saying, this is the word of the Lord to you today. Let the new work in you and let it work out of you. Amen? Sometimes we spend the time talking about the good old days. Well, in the good old days, you know, if it was just the good old, well, you know what? The good old days are back. This could be the good old days. One day they're going to look back and say, that was the good old days. <laughs> the good old days are here again. Amen? But better. But better, amen? What lies ahead of you far outweighs what lies behind you. Did you hear that? What lies ahead of you far outweighs what lies behind you. Come on. The, be the best is yet to come. I wish I could preach this message this morning. I wish somebody would get excited about this, you know. 
Ralph Waldo Emerson said, what lies within you and uh, what, uh, uh, see, how do you say that? What lies behind you and what lies ahead of you uh, pales in significance to what lies within you. In other words, he says, you know, your past and maybe what you think for your future, those things, that, that's not even, doesn't even compare to what's within you because when you discover the you, the real you, the you that God made you, <laughs> then that is really significant. That's who you need to be because when you're doing that, you're going to prosper. You're going to succeed. You can't fail. You're going to be walking in the best. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. We've got amen corners a couple places. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, we can spend our life. I've heard people say, well, you know, if it hadn't been for, and if it hadn't been for, and if it hadn't been for, and I think maybe that might have influenced my life because I heard different people when I was younger say, well, if it hadn't been for, if it hadn't been, you know, and they have all these regrets. I thought, you know what? I'm not going to let the, if it hadn't been for, shape me. And don't let it shape you. Okay, so something happened, but it happened. Let that thing build you instead of destroy you. Amen? Again, I prayed for strength. God gave me difficulties. Well, we can interpret those difficulties. Oh, I guess it's not God's will because, you know, look, I got this situation. <laughs> Handle it. <laughs> Come on, rise up. Say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Amen? Stretch your rod out over that Red Sea. Part the waters. Get that slingshot and kill that giant. Come on. He says, you know what? Get, get ready. Amen. You know, I rebuke that lying spirit that's, that's telling you you can't. God says you can do all things through Christ that gives you strength. Paul told the Philippians in chapter 3, he says, forgetting those things which are behind, I press, I'm straining toward what is ahead. That caterpillar, when it starts to, it starts to strain to get bust free from that cocoon. It's pushing and it's pushing and straining and straining and straining. I read the story of where one man was watching this, uh, this cecropia moth do that. And, it, and he saw, and there's a little tiny gap cracked on that cocoon. He said, oh, that's cool. So he watched and he watched and he watched. And he could just see the struggle. He could see the bulging of the cocoon. And it's like, oh, man, this ain't happening. Well, you know what? I'm going to help. And he goes and gets some scissors and, and starts to kind of, he opens that up a little bit more and down there. Boom. And out pops the, I'll say butterfly because cecropia moth is a little harder to say. But anyway, pops out. And, uh, you know, the wings are always wet and kind of still stuck to the body when they first come out. And so uh, he began to watch it, and he said, that looks kind of weird. Body's real big, wings are real small. Wings, they dry, and, and body's real big, wings are real small. What happened? See, in that exerting, and that pressing against the cocoon to get out, what's happening is he's, the, the butterfly is pushing the blood flow and the different things into those wings, causing them to be what they need to be, to be strengthened. And that, when it busts that cocoon, that's what really enables the butterfly to fly. If not, if you take the fly away, you just got butter. <laughs> you know, it didn't have nothing. <laughs> yeah. and, and so that's what, that's what created it. A lot of times we want the easy way. Oh, I don't know. I've been waiting on the Lord. I've just been hanging out in this cocoon, you know. Nothing's happening. And God's saying, come on, push. Push, press toward the mark for the prize of the high cost. Come on, press against that. 
I got something for you. You got to come out of this thing. And when you come out of it, you're going to have a new skill set. You're going to be a, a new person. You're going to, you know, it could be a, a new vocation. It could be a new job. It might be that dream that God's put in you. You know, push against it. Let those wings come out because you're going to need to be that type of person. It's all. Amen. Let me just preach over here a little bit. <laughs> preach back to that wall a little bit, you know. You know what? Do you understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Romans, Paul said in Romans 12 too, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and acceptable and perfect will. Be not conformed to this world, but be be transformed. Come on, renew your mind in the Lord. Who is he? What is he saying? Get in, get in tune with him and those promptings. And here's why we're going up. That's why you need to have those, the wings of that butterfly so that you can prove what God's will is. You can talk about the will of God. You can listen to somebody else talk about the will of God. But until you prove the will of God in your life, oh, man, I, I don't know. I don't want to hear you talking about, well, you know, such and such and maybe and this and that. Do it. Prove it. Well, when you prove it, when you see that, then that's, man, that's, that's what shakes somebody else up. That's what gives them encouragement to do that. Prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Hallelujah. So, you know, we've been called for the purpose of becoming a new creation to prove the will of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you know this one. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Are you in Christ? You know, in a sense, in Christ is that cocoon, so to speak. Uh, in him, in that cocoon, his word, his will, his way. So when you're in his word, hello, that's developing you. That's bringing changes. That's, that's uh, letting you know more about you know, the supernatural realm, and your, the word will not return void, so it's changing you, right? So uh, his word, his will, when you begin to do things according to the will of God, you're changing. You're changing. You're becoming something different. You're becoming new, a new creation. His will. See, and so that applies in our natural realm. You know, his will, let's say for finances. If you're following the Lord and you're giving, you know, and that's his will, then you know what? These things have to follow us. Those principles have to come into effect. You know, we're going to reap the blessings of that. Jesus said, given it shall be given. And so, you know, these things, his will, his word, his will, his way, that, that's part of that cocoon that's helping shape us, his way, the way of God, the ways of God, his character and the way he does things, the way he tells us to do certain things. You know, love your neighbor. <laughs> you know, and, and so as we begin to, oh boy, Lord, you don't know my neighbor. Maybe I need to move. Get me a new neighbor. We're getting a new neighbor. At our, I met him yesterday. In fact, my dog met him first. <laughs> I was out trying to give Sasha a little exercise, and, and uh, the young couple just uh, moved in, and he was out there, and boy, Sasha goes, ah, oh, something new. <laughs> Here she goes. I'm going, ah, come back, come back. So I go over and say, well, let me introduce my dog to you, <laughs> and uh, met him, talked to him a little bit, and so I got some plans there. I'm, I'm work on my neighbor, 
got a, got a new neighbor, amen? And so, you know, I'm, I'm developing a love, a godly love. I don't know him. and just met him once, but I'm saying, okay, God, and, and I want to begin to, well, I can't wait. Maybe I'm sure hoping that maybe I can introduce my neighbor to y'all. Wouldn't that be cool? Now, if they haven't moved too far, they might have a church. I didn't, first thing out of my mouth, I didn't say, where y'all going to church? Blah, 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 blah. You know, because that, especially by being a pastor, that might scare them to death. But we're going to work on it. You know, but we got to change and we got to listen. And, and, and so that we can be loving and show love. That we can be light that dispels darkness. You know, and, and so we let that, his, his word, his will, his way shape us and develop us. And that we are doing, proving his, his will, the good, acceptable, perfect will of God, his general will. Know him and make him known, and his specific will for my life and for your life and, and how that works about. You know, and also the church, being here is part of the cocoon. Coming and being a part of this body. In Hebrews it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And so much the more when you see that day approaching. Well, hello, unless you're sleeping in a cave somewhere, it seems like that day is approaching. So really his church, which is his will and his way, he developed the local church. That's his design, and we need to be participating in that, right? And so that's part of the cocoon. So in all areas of our life, you know, what does his word say? What's it doing? And, and it's going to be in our finances, in our relationships, in our authority, in our understanding, our responsibility. Oh, by the way, isn't that those different levels that we're talking about that each stage prepares us for a new level and how we're going to respond to responsibility and to uh, relationships and authority and understanding in those particular areas. See, that really is, is kind of shapes our whole life. That's where we're involved in every area of our life is, is through relationships and, and through uh, uh, positions of authority, degrees of authority depending upon where I work, what's been released to me, what I'm overseeing, what I'm in charge of from my family, what authority I have there working on up. How am I doing that? How, am, I, you know, am I reverting back? And I'm, am I getting frustrated? If I have a self-centered desire, then it's going to affect my relationships. You know? Come home, you can come home, sit down in your lazy boy, kick it back and say, wife, bring me something to eat. I've been married 44 years. And the way you stay married 44 years and never let that be said, that's one thing, you know. Plus, if you want to live, you know, for 44 years. But now, wait a minute. Well, she's got a job too. And what, she, what all she's doing, so wait a minute. Who am I? You know, well, I got a right to this. I've been doing this and I've been doing it. Oh, you got a right, huh? Well, wait a minute. As a, as a child of God, as a husband, your responsibility is to take care of your wife and love your wife as Christ loved the church. What are her needs? Love her as you love yourself. You're going to take care of yourself? Take care of her. You, do you open the door for you yourself? Do you open the door when you get ready to go in something or you just stand there? <laughs> you might want to open the door for her. Hello. And all the men said, Pat, look, I'm even working up a sweat on that one. <laughs> but we're ch we need to change. <laughs> and so that we can, you know, begin to make a difference and, and take care of people around us and, and, and prove God's will in our, all areas of our life. You know, the responsibilities that we have, the, the things that's been entrusted to us. 
We can't expect God, God to be able to, to work in our lives until we become fully dependent upon him and not dependent upon ourself and, and this and that, you know. And, and that happens by hearing his word, by studying, by prayer, by seeking him. And all those things are in that cocoon that's working and shaping us and molding us. And it's that pattern sometimes and so that we've got to break out of. The end result is, you know, that you're changed. Now, I jotted this little story down. I thought this was pretty funny. It says, uh, you know, about a motorhome, buy a motorhome. How many of you like to go camping? Raise your hand. You like the outdoors and all that good stuff, you know. I love, I love being outside. So, uh, so you're going to work up? Buy a motorhome. Uh, and it says, the motorhome has allowed us to put all the conveniences of the home on wheels. A camper no longer needs to contend with sleeping in a sleeping bag cooking over a fire, or hauling water from a stream. Now we can park a fully equipped home on a cement slab in the midst of a few pine trees and hook up water, a water line and sewer line and electricity. He says, one motorhome I saw recently had a satellite dish attached to the top of it. No more bother with dirt getting tracked into your tent. Or saying, no more smoke from the fire, no more drudgery of walking uh, into the stream to get water or to the campsite over there. You know how that is. got to go get water someplace else. Uh, now it says, it is possible to go camping and never have to go outside of your motorhome. We buy a motorhome with the hope of seeing new places and uh, getting out into the world. <laughs> Yet we deck it out with the same furnishings of our living room. Where are we going here? Really, nothing's changed, has it? We're starting to conform that, so nothing changes. We might drive to a new place, set ourselves into new surroundings, but the newness really goes unnoticed because we're still, you know, only carrying along on the old settings. We're trying, we're doing all this new thing, but we're functioning on our old settings, right, back in the home. Everything that was there is just, now we just brought it here. God's got something new for us. He wants to take us to new places, but if we keep dragging all the old stuff, you know, I got to have that, oh, and I got to have that. I watch that uh, Tiny House Nation occasionally. Anybody ever see that? Have you seen that? And one guy, what he does, his purpose is to, pay, he calls it paring down, where they start to get rid of stuff. And then people will stand there looking, oh, I got to have that. I got to have that. I got, he said, wait a minute, this is a new form of living, you know. If you're going to go into this tiny house, you're going in from 2,500 square feet to 200 square feet. So you got to change something. Oh, no. And everybody wants to, you know, wants to bring all that stuff they had into this. Oh, they want this new this new style of living and everything and the benefits that it can bring, but they want to drag all the old right into it. Oh, come on now. Wait a minute. We want the new thing that God has, but we don't want to lose anything. We don't want to pare down anything. We don't want to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. We want to drag that right on in. And so, come on now. Okay, all right, now God bless us. Here we go. What I jotted down here was the adventure of new life in Christ begins when the comfortable patterns of the old life are left behind. When we leave behind the comfortable old settings of our old life, then something changes. Get out of the comfort realm. Go from $200,000 a year back in 1970. 
seven to $3,200, I think is what it ended up being that year. That's a drastic change. I mean, today, you know, that was 40-some years ago. That'd be a change today, wouldn't it? Right? You know, so wait a minute. Oh, wow. But you know what? I don't miss a thing. <laughs> In fact, this is better. This is better. You know, you can't, it doesn't make sense in our natural realm, but we've got to get rid of our stinking thinking. We've got to pare down. We've got to leave all that stuff. So we leave it all behind so that we can come into the new. Uh, uh, anybody seeing this today? God's saying he's got some things he wants to take you out of to take you so he can take you into something. You've got to leave the old land and cross over the Jordan and go into the new land. You know, they couldn't take the manna with them. They, had to, they couldn't take the things from the old land, from the wilderness. They were going to have the new corn. The, it was going to provide for them when they went into the new land. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the, the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a newness of life. We've got to walk in this newness of life and quit trying to drag the old in with the new. You know, I've probably shared this as I've taught about the two natures of the believer, but when they referred to the old man, the old nature, uh, they were t- and they said, you know, uh, to, to throw it off, what they, there was a penalty uh, that if you killed somebody or whatever, that they would strap that dead corpse to your body, and that was your punishment. You had to walk along with that old dead corpse on you, and pretty soon the the corruption and the disease and all the stuff of that dead corpse begin to eat into your body and you begin end up dying. And so they'd say, put off the old, put on the new. That was the way, get rid of that old and, and put on the new. You can be stillborn, you know, or you can become alive. I had a thought there. I had a thought. Every time you change your source or your substance, or where you are on that level, when you change your source, crying is involved. Because when that baby comes out of that womb into this whole new world, his source and his substance here for mama and that umbilical cord, when that umbilical cord is cut, ah! and that's the sign of life, right? Crying. <laughs> crying. Anytime you change your source, there's going to be some crying. Amen. I got to turn loose of that. Oh, I don't know if I want to turn loose of that or not. Are you? Or, oh, that might, they, they, they laid you off of work. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to Well, you might have to trust God. I mean, he is your provider. You know, but, oh, well, we're going to cry because our source has changed. And so, hey, get ready. You know, watch out because every time your source changes, well, there's some crying involved in that. <laughs> Uh, so the newness, it says, put off the old. You know, Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. We're, we're called to walk in newness of life, not to stay back in the old. The newness is already in you. The newness is already in you. You can't see it, but the newness is there. That baby, when it's born, that full mature person of who they're going to be is already worked up in their DNA and everything. And that structure is just a baby, but it's going to become a full person with personalities and abilities and talents. It's in there. The butterfly was in the caterpillar, but nobody saw it. Hello? The butterfly was already, the newness is already in you. It just hasn't been released. Oh, there it is. Uh Uh-oh. Watch out. It's already in you. It hasn't been released yet. The instinct is there before the wings get there. Hello? Oh, the instinct is there 
before the wings come in. Because if he didn't have an instinct, he wouldn't have chewed through that leaf and then shed that skin and gone to that leaf and went on. And wouldn't have, if he didn't have the instinct to build the cocoon, he'd have never got the wings. If he didn't have the instinct to push, he would have never got the wings. If he didn't have the instinct to just push and break it all the way open and get free, he would have never... Hello. <laughs> the instinct was there before the wings were there. You know what? It's, he's in you. The newness is in you. So don't worry about it. Just be, walk in newness of life. Walk now in the newness of life now. Trust God. Take a step by faith. Take another step by faith. And you know what? It might be that time of pushing and pressing, and it might be a time of weeping because you don't have the source from that leaf anymore. Now you're in this cocoon. Did you know that butterflies don't even have a mouth? They never eat. Once they become a butterfly, they never eat. They go on and they do their thing, what they're supposed to be doing, and they, that's it. I know uh, uh, the cecropia moth, they don't have, they can't eat anymore, and so they do their little cycle of life, and all that they had to eat was what they had back there to get them into that cocoon and break free, and then that's it, and they do their thing, and then that's it. They're taking on the glory. <laughs> Whatever glory there is for a cecropia moth. <laughs> We're going to have to stop. I'm not finished. So we'll have to talk about this next time. The best is yet to come. I, and for this message, the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Ooh. I don't know if there's, there's never a good stopping place. We just have to stop. We're not finished. But if Jesus comes, we got enough to get us to the rapture, right? Amen. But I want to pray because God's working something here. And rather than just push a lot of facts and my notes and whatever and teaching my notes, I'd rather teach you than teach the notes. I'd rather listen to the Holy Spirit, what he's saying. And God is saying, hey, I'm calling you. I'm drawing you. I, the best is yet to come. I got a breakout for you. I, I got something to break free. You're going to break free. I, I've got a metamorphosis that was already set in your person before you were, I ever even created anything before I formed you in your mother's womb. I had plans for you. I had a butterfly in mind way back there. I had a metamorphosis. I had this total change for you before, and you don't know it yet. You hadn't, you hadn't quite seen it, and even if you do get a vision of it, you, it's not quite the, until you're actually there, but yet God's working it. Let me tell you something. And, you know, there's there's some entrepreneurs maybe sitting here today or listening to this, this message that God's saying, hey, you know what? I'm developing something. Amen. Amen. That's fine. Where you've been has been good training. Now I'm, I'm calling you on. Moses was in his mama's womb. He was a deliverer. But until he got delivered, he couldn't be a deliverer. Mama kept him in her house for three months before she had to let, let him go. And for three months, he didn't even have an identity. He didn't even have a name. Who named Moses? Pharaoh's daughter named Moses. And so he went from the womb to the house. He's protected in the house. She was, you know, she'd been praying for a deliverer, praying for a deliverer. She was hiding a deliverer in her house all the time. If she hadn't got rid of that, she hadn't let it go free, she'd have never had a deliverer to come back. Went to the water. The Pharaoh's daughter sees Moses. I better, I'll tell you what, I better shut this down. Uh, we'd be here till 3 o'clock. His name is drawn out, drawn out. He was drawn out of his mother's womb, drawn out of the house, drawn out of the river, drawn out of the palace, drawn out of the wilderness to be... Oh, come on now. Hallelujah. God says, I, I, I want to draw you out and make you who I designed you to be. Moses, I'm drawing you out to be a deliverer. 
He was a deliverer when he was in his mother's womb. He was a deliverer when he was being hidden in the house. He was a deliverer in the river. He was a deliverer in the palace. He was a deliverer. In the, he had to get a new skill set from what, what Pharaoh taught him. He had to go in the wilderness for 40 years. He was a deliverer there, but he didn't know it. Nobody else knew it until he was drawn out of that. See, nobody else knows who you are until God draws you out, and he's wanting to draw you out. He's wanting to draw you out and make you who he's designed you to be. Amen. Don't turn loose of those dreams. You need to waken up some dreams that God's given to you, some instincts, some, some concepts or ideas that he's put in you. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know what God's doing. You know, I believe there's some millionaires sitting in this room. Well, I guess not. I guess no. <laughs> I didn't hear anybody respond back, but, you know, hallelujah. Until he can take you out of the old, he can never bring the new to you. It's in you now. Don't lose it. Let's pray. Boy, I want you to pray this week for this message that when it comes, it comes with that metamorphosis. It changes from just notes and concepts into life and the Word of God that changes us. How many would say, I'm ready for change, Pastor? Amen. Amen. Where you have been has been your developing stage, your wilderness, so to speak, your cocoon. God's saying, I want to bring you out. I want to draw you out of that so I can make you, so I can evidence who you are, so we can prove the will of God. We can prove it. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing here this morning. You're tugging at our hearts. But Father, we have the free will to accept what you're doing or to reject it. Hallelujah. Father, we need to look in our house and see what's there. Moses was hidden in the house. A deliverer was right there in the house. I believe what's in us is what you put there for us to get to the next place you, you have for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, just touch hearts right now. Speak to different ones where there's been fear. We're drawn out of fear. I believe he's drawing you out of hiding. Drawing you out of fear. Let him draw you out of insecurity. Out of timidity, out of small-mindedness, limitations. Let him draw you out of that. Yeah, he wants to draw you out of the safe places. <laughs> the safe places. The familiar. Don't drag it into your motorhome. <laughs> he wants to draw you out of the safe places so that you don't have anything to stand on except faith. Oh, now, listen, I'm, don't over-spiritualize this thing. This could be your job. This could be your career. This could be your next step up in whatever God's doing. It's not just all about, you know, because what worked in my life brought me to be a pastor, you know, not all parts of the body are the ear 
or the eye, or, you know, there's got to be all parts of the body. So this could be, you know, I just don't want you to miss this today because sometimes we can over-spiritualize it. We walk out the doors and like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And, and, and that's true. It should affect our life and our service to the Lord. It should motivate us to, to serve him, maybe in outreach or teaching and, or equipping or serving in some particular way. Sure. But wait a minute. I, I, I'm sensing something happening here for in, you know, your vocation and in some other things, some of the things that you're responsible for, some things that are, uh, that you will be responsible for. Man, it's hard to say that, but Holy Spirit, just begin to quicken in the hearts and minds of each one here. And it's listening to this of what you want to do. Hallelujah. You want us to prosper. You want us to move on. Hallelujah. Our destiny is never in our shelter. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The cocoon was the shelter. The house was Moses' shelter. The palace became a shelter. Your destiny is never in your shelter. We are to abide in the secret place of the Most High, not in what our shelter is. And that's where we begin to come, become comfortable. Mm. Father, just deal with our hearts right now. Release faith, but release new vision, Father, new ideas uh, that we just open up to you to, to hear your voice. If you say, if you're saying to the Lord, Lord, just, you know, I'm going to open up to you. I want to hear your voice. I want to see, give me vision, give me, speak to me, Lord, for that next level that you're preparing me for in relationships. That next level in knowledge. That next level of understanding that next level of responsibility. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. I prophesy that over you. The best is yet to come. 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 It wasn't in vain what you came through. It wasn't in vain. It was preparation. Hallelujah. Father, I, I just, I see butterflies just turning loose and flying for the first time. Father, we just open ourselves up to you to do, for you to work in us. How many of you will surrender yourself to the Lord and his plan that he has for you and that he has had for you and you say, okay, Lord, whatever it is, I'm going to take that step with you. I'm going to take that step with you. If, if so, nobody looking around, just raise your hand to the Lord and signify to him, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm taking that next step. If you're here this morning and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, maybe you've heard about him, you know about him, 
but personally, you've never received him. If you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity, then you need to know. For the sake of the podcast, let's pray, pray this prayer with me this morning. If you're not sure of your eternity, if you're not sure that you are saved, that you're a child of God, then pray this prayer. Father God, I give myself to you. I recognize that I am lost without you. I receive your son Jesus. His death, burial, and resurrection as purchasing me and giving me salvation. Giving me eternal life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. I turn from my ways to follow your ways. Thank you for saving me and making me part of your family. I am a child of God. Amen. 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 Come on, stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The best is yet to come. When you walk out of this place, you need to start. I'm ready. I'm, come on. The best is coming. It's coming. It's coming. Come on, be alert spiritually. Be watching for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today that we are blessed and cannot be cursed. <laughs> we're blessed beyond the curse. Father, I thank you right now that we're the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. All things that you say that we are, we want to become. We want to be who you say we can be. We want to do what you say we can do. Father, as we go from this, this place, we don't go to, to just sit and have a pity party or it, for nothingness. We go out to be light that dispels darkness. Let us be active in as soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give us opportunities to shine, opportunities to be a witness for you. Lord, we want to follow the pathway you have for us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hug somebody. Give them a handshake. Let them know you're glad to see them in the house of the Lord today. Amen.